Hello and welcome to the Try Talking Sport podcast hosted by me, Joanne Murphy. Whether you are an athlete, adventurer, endurance enthusiast or simply have an interest in sport, you have come to the right place for inspiration, encouragement, motivation and as always, just that little bit of entertainment. It's the middle of June. Holy moly, where is the time going? It's like I blink and the week is gone in a flash. Although the weather would at times make you think it is still only March or April, the water temperature in Galway Bay is warmer some days than the air temperature, which, if I'm honest, is a little bit of a bonus. It has been a bit busy here at Try Talking Sport HQ. Our performance hub is taking shape and the new Try Talking Sport website is coming together nicely and almost ready to go live, which is very exciting. So watch this space. And I am finally getting ready to get back on the microphone for Ironman Bolton and Ironman 70.3 Staffordshire. They are my first live events since March of 2020. I cannot wait to get back on the mic to meet the athletes, the volunteers and of course the Ironman team. But most importantly, to get that buzz of racing, the excitement, adrenaline and pure elation that racing brings. It has been such a positive boost to see events and races taking place at home and further afield over the past few weeks. Sweaty hugs and high fives might be off the cards for a while yet, but that's only a minor detail. It is going to be epic to be back at the live races, bringing athletes across the finish line and enjoying my announcing adventures once again. Speaking of adventures, I was in Westport recently for a whirlwind adventure thanks to Rachel Nolan of Rachel's Irish Adventures and the Mariner Hotel. Picked as the winner of a stay for the launch of the hotel, I packed my bags, I packed Freddy, my bike, and off I went with fellow cycling enthusiast Stephanie Carr to meet Rachel and Izzy for a jam-packed 24 hours. We got lots of cycling done and despite the weather, there were plenty of belly laughs and new routes enjoyed on the bike. It was a really short trip, but it was so much fun and great to get away to just reset and have a change of scenery, if only for one day. Last Saturday, Steph and I cycled out to Connemara to meet Sharon Osborne, a deaf cyclist who was covering 1,500 kilometres of the Wild Atlantic Way throughout the week as part of a fundraising challenge for two charities, Talk to Tom and the Irish Deaf Society. It was such a pleasure meeting Sharon to support her on the Wild Atlantic Way and welcome her to Galway. Sharon finished her challenge in Limerick on Monday of this week. You can find out more about her adventures on deafability.ie. In this episode of the podcast, I was delighted to chat with British professional triathlete Kimberly Morrison. The multiple Ironman 70.3 champion loves to ride her bike fast, very fast, and has set a variety of bike course records on her way to the podium in numerous races. It was a roller coaster start in life for Kim as she underwent open heart surgery at three years of age at Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital in London. However, her fighting spirit and competitive ambition from an early age has seen her enjoy much success in sport, both as a field hockey player and now as a professional triathlete. As an age group triathlete, she quickly excelled in the sport, winning the 25 to 29 age group at the 2014 World Triathlon Championships in Kitzbühel, Austria. Stepping into the world of professional racing, she claimed her first title at Ironman 70.3 Buenos Aires in 2016 and also finished on the podium at the Ironman 70.3 Staffordshire and Ironman 70.3 Sweden in the same year. Since then, she has been on the podium at a variety of 70.3 races, 
raced multiple full distance races, including the Ironman World Championships in Kona in 2019, where she finished 26th. She has already stamped her ticket for the Ironman 70.3 Worlds in Utah this year and for Kona. So there are an exciting few months ahead for the Norfolk based athlete. Already this year, Kim claimed silver in the National TT Circuit Championships in the UK. In addition to this, she has had a 5th place finish at Ironman 70.3 Texas and an 8th place finish at Ironman Tulsa. She also finished 5th at the Lake Dorney Triathlon last weekend in a stacked field featuring some of the UK's top female triathletes. Kimberly's sporting success continues to rise with her positive attitude, great perspective, tenacity and passionate focus on being the best athlete she can be. I expect we will see her on many a podium over the years to come with the number of bike and race course records added to her name in the process. Enjoy the show. Kim, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I think the last time we spoke was on the tri-commute back in March. Yeah, the super early morning tri-commute on a Friday. Thank you, Joanne, for having me. I um, I love listening to the show. Kath Pendleton's my most recent listen. Loved it. Proud to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, at least this show is being recorded at lunchtime on a Friday instead of early morning on a Friday. And I'm delighted you enjoyed Kath Pendleton's episode. She is one incredible lady. So from one incredible lady to another, Kim, for my listeners who may not be aware of who you are, although I'm sure many of them do know who you are, tell me a little bit about your journey in sport and your background to becoming a professional triathlete. I guess starting from the beginning, I was a... I was poorly as a little girl, really poorly. I went under the knife at Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, had open heart surgery. And yeah, I, I go and share share that story with um with schools to this day and read excerpts from my mother's diary. And it it kind of brings me back to to how that time felt for, for them. And it it was a challenging time, but the surgery was a great success never held me back throughout my younger years I was in and out of hospital just having checks but that's kind of where my life started Um, my ambition for sport was evident from a very young age I absolutely loved sport at school threw myself into absolutely everything I thought it was the most wonderful thing in the world going to Crystal Palace to swim with all the seniors when I was just 15 and we got a taste of triathlon at school they put on one triathlon a year and the most exciting thing about it was it was an opportunity to race the teachers and I thought wow brilliant very competitive loved the opportunity to race the teachers so that was my first taste of triathlon and then I went to Loughborough University kept pursuing my love for field hockey team sports loved the social side as much as the sporty side and then took my mathematics degree into London, into the world of banking and played for Chiswick Hockey Club, then went on to play for Teddington and started to get a feel for triathlon only because, and this kind of feels crazy reflecting back, my mum left Chrissy Wellington, A Life Without Limits, the book on her sunbed on a family holiday in Phuket, Thailand. And she said to me, don't read that, Kimberly. You'll want to do an Ironman. <laughs> so I thought, brilliant. Ironman. Wow. Like that's triathlon, right? But what is that? So 
I read the book. It was my commuter mornings on the tube to work where I really found myself lost in Chrissy's world of adventure, challenge, and obviously four-time Ironman world champion, all of her successes as well. And then I went home to my husband after I'd finished the book and said, I'm going to sign up for a super sprint. So my very first was, gosh, it was, where are we now? So that was 2011. So 10 years ago, 10th of June, was I was reminded about this race from a friend only this morning. I was there on my Claude Butler frame bike doing my first super sprint and finishing on the podium, but in and amongst the men. I was like, wow, obviously no one's turned up to this. So I'm really speedy. (laughs) It was then I started to read more about the world of triathlon and the opportunities the British triathlon and age group community can give you and went on to race in world age group championships, European age group championships. And in 2014 became the European age group champion in Kitzbühel, Austria. Shared that with a real special friend and training partner, Eloise Delois. And we both became European champion that year. The reason we both were able to become champion is because I was competing in the 25 to 29 category and she was in the younger 20 to 24 category. That's a tour of my, um, you know, how my love grew for the sport. Uh, That's really cool that yourself and your friend both became age group world champions in the same year. Were you good training buddies as well? Yeah, and she had a beautiful place in Grement, Switzerland, still does. And we used to go there on training camps, lack of oxygen, just giggling at one another, enjoying the cheeses, you know, everything Switzerland has to offer, we enjoyed. But the terrain and being up in the mountains and this beautiful, stunning swimming pool, slightly slightly lower down in the valley, just so we could gasp a little bit more O2 to get some swim training done. Yeah, we, we've had some magical times together. We've also been to Spain training together and done numerous races around the world. So yeah, special to share it with someone. And is she still involved in triathlon? She is very much. And she's just recently launched a YouTube channel, which keeps me very, very entertained. Can I come back to um, your youth there? You mentioned it was open heart surgery that you had at three years of age. You mentioned that you you, you go to schools and you read excerpts from your mum's diary about that time. Yeah, my mum kindly gave me, gosh, the diary when I was a little bit older. And as I was reading it through, I asked her, would she mind if I shared this? Um, One bit I can share really kind of paints a picture is. So I'll quote, a tube coming out of the side of your neck, gave you some Ribena and it came straight out of the tube. And that kind of really painted a picture of, gosh, you, you know, your mother's trying to give a child a drink and it's just, it's just not working. So it's, it's emotional reflecting back. You've come a very long way being that precious little baby to where you are now, a champion athlete. I've loved it because what happens in this sport is you build such a beautiful community around you. And I think that's what keeps the love alive. And that's what helps you to to succeed, to grow, to grow stronger. I mean, the more you love something, right, the more you throw into it. So what was it about triathlon that made you switch from field hockey? What was it? Why triathlon? That That was really simple. I... 
thought if I wanted to get better in triathlon, I should get a triathlon coach. And when I did get a triathlon coach, Perry Agas, who was working alongside Team Dylan at the time, he said, you can't do both anymore. If you're as serious as you tell me you are. So it was easy. I was like, okay, I, I'll, I'll stop the hockey. I mean, I can, I've still built up some great friends, but I can put the hockey stick down for a while. No problem. And was the switch hard going from a team sport to very much an individual sport? I don't remember ever feeling like it was hard because I can just remember feeling the excitement of having a triathlon coach and sticking to a plan and executing that plan each and every day and just learning so much about the sport, about myself and about what was possible. So I never felt like I missed anything from my hockey days, to be honest. And the question I have to ask you then is, and we ask quite a number of athletes this question, are you a good student? Do you do what your coach tells you? Or do you like to stray away from the numbers that he suggests maybe that you would have? A coach once said to me, are you going to be a high maintenance athlete? <laughs> and I thought, hmm, maybe if I'll, maybe I'll ask my husband if I'm high maintenance in general. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a sucker for a plan. So if it's there and it tells me what to do, I'll do it. I I, I won't go over. I, I won't go under. I'm very much regimented to, okay, this is the plan. The body feels good today. Let's execute the plan to perfection. And then, of course, mathematics, numbers, triathlon training. How much of a numbers nerd are you when it comes to your training and the importance of numbers? Yeah, love, love numbers on the bike more than anywhere else. Although having said that, Incus is a tool now which I wear in the swimming pool and in the endless pool and in the sea, which can show you a whole bunch of numbers. I mean, you've got vertical pitch, you've got your momentum through the water, left, right side. There's a whole bunch of stuff to really get excited about with Incus. But for me, in recent years, the, the numbers on the bike are super interesting. Variation index, you know, how did I ride that Ironman course? You know, w- was it varied? Is it is it looking like a 1.12 or is it looking like a 1.012? Massive difference between that number in regards to your variability. What's per kilo is really relatable to others. So we may talk about having an FTP of X, Y, Z and comparing to one another doesn't really mean anything. It's more, you know, oh, that's that's interesting. What's per kilo? Wow! And how fast do you go holding that what's per kilo? Wow! You know, just there's just so much to to dive into, and there are some comparisons that can be made. But I think usually I just stick to glancing over my numbers, relating them to myself, not comparing to others. Your your biking skill is incredible. Looking back through some of your results. Pre-COVID, there was wins at various 70.3 distance races with bike course records being broken. How much do you love your bicycle? Yeah, that's the thing. I absolutely love riding my bike, like so, so much. And I think the more you love something, yeah, like even even from the beginning where I first got my hands on a time trial bike and, and decided that time trial racing looked great, great fun. Um, it was all a bit amateur. There was things, you know, flying all over the place. You know, the, the helmet wasn't quite in keeping with what the other guys had on. And, you know, perhaps I wasn't riding on the, the wheels the other guys had on. Just all these things. But I didn't care. I just loved 
the fact that all a TT is, is a time trial against yourself. You ride your bike as fast as possible for the distance. <laughs> Love it. And how did you get so strong on the bike? When you were doing triathlon at a younger age, was it swim cycle or run was your strongest discipline or has it always been the bike? Um, I wouldn't be able to really comment on that. I feel like there's, you can say someone's strong on the bike, but I don't feel like I'm very versatile cyclist. So when I say that, you know, I certainly pick a course which um, leans into my strengths, but I definitely think there's so much room for me to develop to become an all-round strong cyclist because I definitely have big, big areas of weakness. For example, when I go on some training camps, you know, I'm not, I'm not up the road first. I'm, I'm often dropped by, by a lot of uh, competitors. So my versatility needs to improve in cycling. But my dad and I used to go out for 20-mile bike rides when I was little. And it was so funny. I can remember so clearly that we would come back maybe be 19.2 miles and we'd, no, no, it's got to be 20. So we would do laps around the drive, <laughs> multiple laps to ensure that that got up to 20. And my brother once said to me, God, I, I knew you were going to be a strong cyclist because when we used to take those family bike rides down to the pub for New Year, New Year's Day, you'd always beat us all up the hills something I never really realized as a as a kid yeah like I said I've definitely got lots of areas to to work on to become a better all-round cyclist but I just love the chase so quite often you'll see in a triathlon that I'll get on the bike and if there's a deficit I'll try my best to hunt it down but I have learned over the years to be conscious of the detriment to the run legs so I definitely do go into races now with a much more sensible bike plan um but there is still that element of chase that I just absolutely love coming out of the water and how do you hold back then on the bike to not overcook it just trusting in the process and just really wanting so badly and I haven't cracked it perfectly quite yet but to run a very great run off the back of a strong bike I still feel like that magic potion hasn't quite come together for me for whatever reason quite yet now, you raced at Challenge Daytona and you raced at Ironman Tulsa, stacked fields. You did very, very well. Daytona was my bread and butter. It was loops of a, of a racetrack. It was just head down time trial. Um, I do think there is an element of, of riding a bike fast um, compared to riding a bike with great power. I think to be able to ride a bike fast, and when I say fast, I mean 45k an hour plus. There's an element of adaptation needed in your body to just be able to hold hold the speed. Um, and I don't think power really comes into it when we're talking about a course like Daytona. And that's what I really love doing, riding a bike, flipping fast around a flat track. So that was great. I got off the bike and I was running in second in, in like you say, a really, really great field with wow, inspiring company for me. I mean, I've been watching the WTS guys and to you know, have Anne Haug and Nicholas Spearig and Lisa Norden and Paula Finlay, you know, all there, all amongst us other longer course athletes racing was wow, quite a privilege. So to be running in second for that first of the four run loops was an incredible buzz. And um, I dropped to 13th, but finishing 13th in a field like that, I was delighted. It was my biggest paycheck to date, but What's important was the sense of fulfillment when I crossed the line. I knew I executed a really, really great, exciting race. 
And then we got the pleasure of watching you at Ironman Tulsa as well more recently. Yeah, so Tulsa was on the cards because Ironman Texas was cancelled very last minute. So Tulsa was an opportunity to go and do an Ironman, also an opportunity to qualify for Kona, an opportunity to really put down some great, great bike and run split. It all kind of then disappears. You start racing and it's it almost becomes a race against yourself. You don't worry about that anymore. You deal with the complications that Ironman throws at you and you just get through the race. And it was one of those races for me. It was just get through the race. I had some handlebar misfunction with 25 miles to go on the bike. So I quickly adapted to riding on my hoods, really quite as aero as I could possibly be to sit with good company, Sky Monch and Katrina Matthews. And then to get off and run, having fully loaded the front of my quads, riding in that uncomfortable position was was a challenge. And I didn't have the race I wanted, but I was so proud that I overcame something which could have finished my race if I decided to keep racing on those wobbly handlebars. <laughs> and were you happy with your performance overall in Tulsa? Happy with how I how I overcame the mishap. That's about it. You went on last week, last Sunday, to take silver in the National TT Championships. Yeah, so after Tulsa, I was super motivated to recover fast, to recover strong. Um, I know how my body responds to Ironmans, and it does give it a really great stimulus. So I knew racing not too far away would, would be a good thing if my legs felt like they were ready to go. And the race prep sessions going into the National circuit championships felt great so with Hayley Simmons and the other independent peddler riders on the start line I knew I had to pull out something special so I just it's a time trial I rode my own race arrived and it was extremely hilly the profile online looked very flat so that was a bit of a shock to the system but I just rode the course to the best of my ability and yeah came home with a silver 59 seconds behind Hayley Simmons how good did that make you feel? What made me feel really great was how great my body felt afterwards. So previously, time trials have floored me. Like I'm on the floor, the back doesn't want to bend. I just need to take some time to lay on the grass, maybe sip some recovery. But it's just how great the body felt. I was there. I was doing my cool down. I got on the, to the grass. I did my post-bike stretch yoga routine. And my body felt great. I wasn't craving McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> we went and had a nice um, M&S salad. And yeah, I had, had a beautiful roast chicken dinner that evening with friends. Like my body felt great. And my bike power was my best 60 minutes I've ever held. So yeah, e e excellent. A real confidence booster. And a confidence booster, actually talking of which, this weekend racing PTO London, Eton Dorney Triathlon. Perfect time trialist course. Um, although a little technical with the turns every every loop. I believe there's 12 loops. Um, but yeah, super excited to see how the body responds for that. And there's another stellar lineup for that race as well. Yeah, I just got off the phone to my coach, David Tilby Davis, and he was like, right, race plan. And I was like, I, it's great. There is one because the start list is great like we're racing the best girls in the UK Lucy Charles Barkley Nikki Bartlett India Lee Lucy Hall and 
Ruth Astle, like there's a there's a bunch of us and the men's race too. Really, really exciting. Lining up against some of the biggest names in triathlon, both homegrown and international athletes. Are you intimidated or are you invigorated? Invigorated. I would be disappointed to turn up to a race where there was nobody. And that sounds, no, that's not the right word. I'd be disappointed to turn up to a race without the superstars. The A-listers, let's call them the A-listers. <laughs> the Daniellas and Lucys and Anne's of the female world, the Crowleys, you know, all those girls that are, you know, on that Kona podium, the A-listers of the world. Yeah, it's 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 always such an honour to race them. Kind of pinch myself, like, <laughs> wow. Um, there's also Holcomb Outlaw coming in three weeks. I think Helen Jenkins is on that start list. And that's my playground. It's where I do my run sessions. Um, that's another real pinch me moment. You know, I watched Helen running around at London 2012 when I was in the park watching the Olympics. Real newbie to triathlon at that time. But now to think I'd be on the same start list. I mean, I appreciate her circumstances are a lot different now with her family. But wow, like these opportunities are just great. Invigorating for sure. And when you look back over what you've achieved over the past few years and you are only a professional athlete for the past couple of years was it uh 2015 you went pro yeah 2016 got my license to and then cracked on with the Ironman branded stuff yeah like it's it's amazing that um you've come so far in such a short space of time I know you had good form and you had great training and you had a superb background in sport but to see how far you've come so quickly it must give you a great boost of confidence for yourself for your own future as a professional athlete yeah I think patience is important uh definitely I remember listening to Nikki Nikki Bartlett and her really stressing that point you know we don't it's very rare for someone to fly into the sport and start winning everything or all the time at once it takes time to build and yeah having the patience and and having the belief I mean I always stand on a start line thinking I'm gonna race to win (laughs) always like that's that's the ambition and that's the fire but you know I don't get halfway around thinking crumbs like I've got no chance I get halfway around thinking well I've got another half to you know see what else I can do so yeah that positivity and that ambition and the excitement that that brings to build and to get better I think once you start thinking oh that's it you know I'm as good as I'm gonna be I don't know does that then take the fire away probably would for me so I'm not there at the moment I'm certainly thinking how much quicker can we run how much smoother can we ride and can we make that front pack in Kona on the swim it looks like as well from your social profile and from some of the the UK-based athletes as well that there's great camaraderie between the British professional female triathletes that there's a nice group of you now that maybe there wasn't a couple of years ago as the sport has progressed and more more of you have come through the age group into the professional ranks but there just seems to be a lovely sense of camaraderie between UK-based female athletes that are currently in in the circuit and racing the different races. Yeah definitely and it was really nice to have the opportunity to all go to Daytona I mean we were all in our separate bubbles but just to have that interaction again and to kind of have a, a an understanding of, of what we all do 
Um, Because I don't think anybody knows it quite like your competitors do because they're doing it each and every day as well. Um, And there is a real genuine wishing that you each do well. Um, I genuinely stand on a start line and hope the best for all of my competitors, but especially my closest friends, which are the UK athletes. So it is a great, it's a great place to be at this time for sure. How did COVID impact your plans for 2020? Of course it impacted, but we were still fortunate enough to travel. I did a couple of my own challenges early on. So Easter Sunday, I decided to go for a 10K PB, which I succeeded in, and that quickly escalated to, oh, let's run a sub three-hour solo marathon and raise money for the charity so close to my heart, Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital. So I think it was six weeks after Easter, I went out. Husband was behind me on the bike with the support, with the fuel. And yeah, we went out and ran a two hour, 59, 36 second marathon, which was awesome. So that kept the buzz alive. That kept the training focus there. And then opportunities started to open up to travel for work related reasons. And and one of them being as an athlete. So we went to Poland and raced Ironman 70.3 Gdynia, who I finished third on the podium. Lisa Norden took the win there. And then that great, great race that was in Daytona in December. So how do the plans look for 2021 now beyond this weekend and beyond the outlaw? Yeah, so my first two races this year, 70.3 Texas qualified me for the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in Utah, St. George. So that's September. And then Tulsa qualified me for the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii in October. So they are certainly, Kona especially, the big focus for the year. And also one big time trial focus is the National 25, which comes in August. So, yeah, three big main focuses for 2021. Also, enjoying more, because I'm conscious I'm chatting with you, the open water swimming, because I know how much you love (laughs) get in the sea I had a real fear of solo swimming in seas rivers lakes whatever just not knowing what's under the water and I've really built up over 12 months or so that sort of feeling of yes I'm still anxious but just getting in and and enjoying it and have been in 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 the winter and I have continued that and now more layers come off Um, I am still in a wetsuit just because it gives me the race simulation um and I don't need anybody in the water with me I do always have someone watching or my husband's in the canoe but it's there's no feeling like it where we live we've got the estuaries and it's very tidal so you go in at high tide and you follow the tide out you can almost loop around and then the tide can pull you back in and around it's just a wonderful feeling and what was it about the water that you were so fearful of Uh, I had terrible anxiety just not knowing what was underneath me um, whether that was the floor or what was on the floor or how deep it was or what animals were there, it's strange because I've always been thrown into the water from such a young age, water sports and all the rest of it. But yeah, no, just got just would get terrible, terrible fear. Yeah, in September of last year, I think I had a little bit of a, a panic in the water. 
and I was out of my depth and I couldn't feel my fingers and my toes and I was swimming. It was I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought it was the cold water and it actually set me back for a while. And I've only recently started going back in out of my depth. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So I've been swimming and I've been in the water for the whole of the winter. It was and it was the cold water and it was getting in the water. And I absolutely loved the buzz of it and the sense of purpose of getting into the water every single day. There was always a little bit of a fear of, you know, will will I have a heart attack in the water? <laughs> and and it was a really weird. It's like um, and somebody said to me, it was like parasympathetic response to the cold. So that's why I, I haven't jumped in at Black Rock the okay. here in Galway. And I'd be very, very cautious with the temperatures in the water, more so, I think, than if I was wearing a wetsuit but over the last couple of weeks now I've been able to go back out of my depth I'm more comfortable in the water it's a bit warmer and it's really weird the brain response to this fear so now what I do is I just count one two three four and I just keep counting one two three four counting and and it just if you count you can't think (laughs) which is yeah and I have a friend who swam at Ironman Barcelona a couple years ago she raced it and she said Hail Marys she used to say the Hail Mary full of grace and she just keeps saying Hail Mary full of grace because she couldn't be afraid when she was saying the Hail Marys. But it's interesting to hear from a professional athlete that you have an, an anxiety with regards to the water, because from the outside, we would all be looking at you thinking, gosh, aren't they amazing doing what they're doing? And especially with Kona, uh, when you consider that you swim so far out, you take a right for 100 meters and you swim back in again. You're so far away from the shore. What's fine about Kona is it's so beautifully clear that you can see everything. That that doesn't scare. But North Norfolk, I think what actually triggered this is um, once I was swimming out at Cly, which is a stony beach we have along our coastline as well. This massive flipper just kind of threw a wave at me. It's a seal, a very very large seal. So when I go out swimming at low tide, the seals tend to be there. And given I'm in a wetsuit the majority of the time, they think I'm one of them. I just <laughs> want to play with you. They do want to come very close and they do want to know who I am, what I am. Yeah. So it's it's the unknown. Like, what are these seals going to give me a little bit of a bite or? <laughs> or do you just play yeah. along with them? I think I think you're just meant to um to keep swimming. I don't really know. Somebody might tell us eventually. And um, we have we have um, an influx of jellyfish here at the moment in Galway. So it's definitely time to maybe put on the one millimeter gloves, not for the cold. Oh, wow. Because I just don't want to touch the jellyfish. Ooh, and some of them are so tiny that if you're taking a breath, you might actually swallow one. <laughs> are they of the stinging variety? I don't think so. They're the little purple ones without the tentacles. It was great to see you getting into the water. And I, I remember you getting in touch to say that you'd been in the water in the winter and you were delighted with yourself. So I'm glad that I was an inspiration. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. I 100% appreciate the appreciation people can take from, from it. It's, it's wonderful. Would you consider doing a long open water swim as a standalone event? I've done a 5k swim race. Um, I loved it, but it, I, would, I would love to do like swim adventures where you're swimming across a body of water, stuff like that. Wow. You know, incredible landscapes for sure in the future. Yeah, that would definitely be where my excitement and passion would be. And then in terms of Kona? 2021 great excitement heading over to the big island for the second time the last time you went over you were like the the new kid on the block with all of the the British athletes going over but this time you're going over and your household name so excited and so excited to go there with that experience 
But then to be honest, all I can think about when I remember the experience is me thinking on um, the highway coming back. No, it wasn't even coming back, was it? It was going out. <laughs> how are these girls doing it? I, I genuinely thought, like, how are they doing it? It was that painful. Can't quite describe it. But yeah, a year, well, two years on, more prepared, more in the know more time I mean I think I scrambled four Ironmans to get qualified that year so this year it's, it's been a little bit of a smoother ride. We talked about COVID impacting racing do you think are you coming into the start of this race season in in Europe and the UK a better athlete? I must admit I really struggled because I'm certainly the type of athlete that trains with a focus to race and then really enjoys the recovery after so I, I had to grit my teeth more than once um, during lockdown just to keep the momentum going. Um, we took a couple of little breaks, but nothing like we would have taken had we been racing. So I don't think, I think my focus was good and it remained there. I think I came to some of my most, I don't know, maybe questioning, you know, okay, so what? what why are you doing this? Oh yeah, that's right. Because I absolutely love to race don't because I love to race so uh, I think the time was a time for realization and to crack on and get the work done because ultimately when racing opens up again I really put myself into a position where I thought yeah I'm going to be one of those athletes that is stronger for it and on the other side did you take up any hobbies or any new activities during lockdown I was certainly at work more, which is where I am today. <laughs> because our family run businesses, rents and pools, uh, swimming pools, hot tubs, saunas. And yeah, like in a period of lockdown where people are investing more in the home, staycations, you know, massive, massive demand for swimming pools and hot tubs. So work kept me super busy. So no, no time for any new hobbies. We, um, we did get a new dog, uh, Samoyed compliments our wolf pack perfectly um but no too too busy working <laughs> i dedicate a work day a week which some people may laugh at but i do i dedicate one work day a week and i also manage the social media side of things and the marketing so i dip in and out throughout the week but dedicate a day day to be in the office and then just this week you launched your new coaching school yeah so that was a big project during lockdown actually um, I've already done a lot of swim coaching um, to help younger guys and girls, older guys and girls, experience, less experience, just to get more efficient in the water, to become more comfortable in the water. So I, I certainly expanded this. And I also, yeah, have started to coach a couple of um, athletes full package, you know, the full full triathlon. One is time trial focus, which is great. It's my bread and butter. And the other very, very local to me. And and ambitions to go and race um, half Ironman distances that I've raced before. So I can put a lot of my uh, previous experience into the uh, coaching experience. How important is it for you to give back to the triathlon community? I do see that you've raced some of your local TT races as well, that it's not just the, the big races that you're doing, that you're actually racing some of the local races as well. You obviously want to help people through your coaching business. So how important is that as part of your mission, I guess, as an athlete to support others? So important. And I think that kind of comes back to my point with the sense of community. 
Like we have a great community around us and we have a great community local to us as well if we go out and explore it and find it. And it's not so much taking part in the time trial, which is obviously great training stimulus, opportunity to race. It's just saying hi and seeing the guys on the start line and and catching up and sharing top tips and whatever other questions we may be asking each other back and forth. And also our local triathlon club, Trianglia, they have a massive presence in Norwich, which is slightly further away from me now. Now we've moved slightly north Norfolk. But again, like we're all going to be there at the Outlaw Holcomb, really, really local to us. And it's a great opportunity, isn't it? Socially distanced, of course, to catch up with everyone. And that's the bit that we miss, really, isn't it? It's the in really is community. I don't know about you, but I definitely found the the start of lockdown last year really difficult. Uh, like, where where was I going to meet people? Where was I going to see people? And I'm due to be in Bolton for Ironman UK on the fourth of July. So at oh, the brilliant. moment, yeah, looking at my logistics, I'm so excited to get to the UK to get back to racing. Oh yeah, brilliant! That event's going to be great to watch. Really great. You weren't tempted yeah. to race it. No, (laughs) no, I wasn't. No, but I am very much looking forward to seeing the girls, the British girls race it out. It will be a really exciting race. Yeah, there's a a great lineup of athletes. A stacked field could be interesting. Yeah, yeah. You've got Nikki Bartlett, you've got Katrina Matthews and you've got Lisa Norden, if she can travel over, making her Ironman debut. Um, Imo Simo, Imogen Simmons. Uh, It'll be exciting. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, I just hope the weather is good and just have a super day. Yeah. Speaking of races, uh, would you consider coming to Ireland to race race Ironman Ireland? Yes, and we have definitely explored that option. It was a couple of years ago now. Logistics didn't work out for us, but I would. Yeah, I would. It's it's somewhere I've only been once, and that was just a weekend away and just a little bit too much Guinness. So <laughs> that's never a bad thing. Yeah, to come back as a um, as an athlete to race yeah what an opportunity would love to you have a bsc in mathematics from loughborough university so if you didn't become a professional triathlete what career do you think would you have had wow well i was in the world of banking working for lloyd's banking group um and i went on a four-year career break to pursue my ambition for triathlon which people laugh at now (laughs) what is a career break (laughs) still not sure um those four years came to an end and I haven't gone back to the bank would I still be there not sure not sure do you think would you always have found your way back to sport though considering hockey at such a high level definitely yeah 100% sport is it's in it's in me you know I absolutely love it and the other question I want to ask you, because you've, you've come through sport from a young age through school and, and university and, and now um, as a professional athlete, you know, we always talk about how we can keep girls in sport or how we can encourage them to stay in sport. From your experience, what was it that helped you to stay in sport and not to give up? I think because of the team environment that was created, we did so much as a team and as a group of friends that we stuck in it together does that make sense so we were all there we were all doing it so we all stuck with it no one really decided nah sport's not for me we all stuck with it and I think because there was that sense of all of us doing it no one really dunked out do you think was it because you were all in it together and it was the norm 
So if you didn't yeah. do sport, it would have been seen as not the norm. I do feel like it was like that at school. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and then the question I ask is how important was your parents' support of you as an athlete growing up that you were able to follow your passion for sport the whole way through? Oh my God, just unbelievable. Like one day, mom, I want to go and play tennis, Wimbledon. <laughs> so we're marking out a tennis court in the garden or trying to. <laughs> and then it's, I want to go to the Olympics and the hurdles. And then we're buying a set of hurdles. Like <laughs> yeah, it's un- unbelievable. And, you know, coming from a, um, a family run business of, of swimming pools and things, always had perfect access to all those sorts of things. And, and I mentioned earlier about the water sports. We'd throw ourselves into that each Tuesday or Thursday in the summer holidays. And yeah, like the opportunities were endless. Feel very, very privileged. You've kind of come full circle from when your mum left Chrissy Wellington's book A Life Without Limits yeah yeah how that impacted your life is incredible it really is I remember that moment like it was yesterday I think I can even remember that the towel it was on and the sunbed was like yellow have you told Chrissy that the reason you're in the sport of triathlon now as a professional athlete was because of the impact of her book Yes. And she has also, yeah, I also had an Eastern Daily Press, which is our local paper, feature the article about that story, uh, which Chrissy got hold of and sort of made made a fuss of through social media channels. But just last night, actually, she popped up on my phone um, because she'd like to try 24-7 tweets saying that she would be at Eaton Dorney this weekend. So got a race extra extra special <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I had the pleasure of meeting Chrissy at Ironman Wales a couple of years ago she's a, another incredible athlete I'm conscious of our time Kim and uh, we did get a couple of questions coming in from our audience so before we finish up I am going to ask you just two of those questions the first one came from Dermot on Instagram he asks does Kim consider 70.3 a speciality in its own right as that's his limit too or does she think of it in terms of being half Ironman i.e training for full distance yeah and I did catch that question I did see that come through on social media and I have had time to think about it and when I was racing the Ironman in Tulsa I did say to Ben my husband maybe I'm just better at the half and he sort of said maybe you are I very I don't believe that I I believe there's still work to be done and some more experience to be had and and some more pieces of the puzzle to get right but I believe they are two completely different um entities as it were I do train very different preparing for 70.3 to what I do for an Ironman the only exception to that rule is if we're doing a 70.3 in preparation for an Ironman if that makes sense. So some will be in preparation and they'll be quite obvious. They'll probably come three, two to three weeks before an Ironman. Otherwise, it's a completely different animal, isn't it? It's it's half the distance. It's it's a completely different dynamic. I mean, you're racing within different systems. When when I say systems, I mean your body and, and what it's able to push and hold on to. Definitely more holding on to with the 70.3 distance. So, yeah, I, I do hope that that answers the question a bit of a roundabout way, I know. Yeah, but they are, they're two different beasts, really, aren't they? It's like preparing for a 5K swim and a 10K swim, right? Even a 5K run and a 10K run. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know? um, Helen Murray, our good friend, Helen Murray from the Inside Tri Show and also my co-host on the Tri Commute asks, are cream eggs still a hit in the summer? That's her first question. It's devastating when you go into a garage and the cream egg supply is finished. It's also terrible when you know which garages still have them. <laughs> I love them. And they've got to be cold, so they need to come home and go in the fridge. <laughs> they've got to be cold. Do you not want them melted so you can, like, eat them? How do you eat yours, by the way? Yeah. I just love the crack. And then it it's in half, and then you can enjoy half, and then you've got the other half to enjoy. <laughs> that should be the title of the podcast. I just love the crack. <laughs> Helen also asks, will you be part of the pain train for the sub eight hour attempt? I will not, but I will watch with great, great interest. Sub eight for Lucy Charles. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. And you have Alistair Brownlee giving the men's world record a go. Wow. I mean, it's just like watching Kipchoge, right? Running in the new Nikes and breaking that two hour barrier incredible let's uh let, let's watch that with great interest it's yeah, exciting it's going to be very exciting I am so excited for racing to come back again I I have my bags packed already nearly ready to Brilliant. go on the road I'm just dying for some adventures before we finish up today I want to ask you who or what have been the biggest inspiration in your life to date it's got to be Chrissy Wellington just the nature of you know picking up that holiday read a life without limits um I mean, I do look on to people really close um, to our sport, obviously, inside our sport. Jan Fredino, you just, you watch him race and it's, for me, it just gives me the tingles. He's quite something. I think anybody who's just making something so goddamn hard looks so beautiful. It mesmerizes me. Daniela in races, you know, she has the same sort of presence. It's 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 really inspiring. And then I guess outside of the world of triathlon, I mean, it's my mum, always has been, always will be. Like, don't know how she does what she does every day. It's inspiring. Kim, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. What were we going to call the podcast again? I just love the crack. <laughs> <laughs> the title. Kim Morrison, I just love the crack. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show and best of luck with everything, all your racing, all your plans, all the excitement. And uh, I can't wait to call you over a finish line. I can't wait for that moment. And that will most likely be in Ireland. I will definitely be able to race sometime soon. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget you can get in touch with any feedback or guest suggestions by emailing me on trytalkingsport at gmail.com. Don't forget to keep an eye out on our new website. It will all be at www.trytalkingsport.com. In the meantime, I'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. Pop by and say hi and let me know what you think of the show. If you are new to Try Talking Sport, please do check out some of our previous episodes. You will be both impressed and inspired by our amazing guests. Until next time, stay safe, keep smiling and remember to look for fun and adventure in every day. Bye.